Hello, friends. Um, it's me, Anthony, uh, having a bit of a tiny desk fence. God damn it. <laughs> you know the joke. Anyway, I just wanted to, uh, and, um, uh, Anne and Marilyn, God, I'm sorry, guys. I mean, I want to tell you, that. Mike, I'm not really sorry. I'm, no, that's not fair. Mike, I'm sorry, you guys. I'm sorry for yelling at you. Kind of really good though. Okay, got some really positive feedback. I actually felt really bad about it when I got off the phone, but uh, it turned out pretty well. So. Welcome aboard the Little Red Bandwagon, your twice weekly podcast about the podcast Too Beautiful to Live. In Pawtucket, Rhode Island, I'm Bobby Pape, and joining me in New Brighton, Minnesota, Ann Lundholm. Good morning, Ann. Good morning, Bobby. And in Dallas, Texas, Meredith Mahan. Good morning, Meredith. Good morning, Bobby. I'm going to skip the studio names because I have a whole thing about butter tarts, but I don't want to get too distracted. We've got a lot of show <laughs> this week. In short, I'll say, Ann, thank you for the butter tarts. You're welcome. And um, six months of casual conversation about them finally paid off. <laughs> Were you just dropping hints that whole time? Uh, believe it or not, I think it started with um, the Len song, Steal My Sunshine, in uh -huh. the LRB Summer Jams, oh, yeah. courtesy of uh, now almost former APM employee, Stu the Stubot Newman, uh, putting that in there in the long form with a roll about butter tarts in the intro to that song. Anyway, we have some actual LRB business, followed by your week in review housekeeping. And how you can get involved with our show. Actually, some of that's up front today, starting with merch on the horizon from LRB. We're working on it. We're working on it actively. Uh, and we are aiming to have it out before Trump sends us our uniforms. So <laughs> order it while you can. Wear it while you can. News coming soon about LRB merch. Uh, we're also continuing our call for guest hosts. For this very show, you heard Amy a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to keep the ball rolling with that. We're loving hearing from you all, and we'd love to have you take more of our work off of our shoulders. Mike's not here this week to make the full Tom Sawyer pitch, but uh, it stands for all of us that we love it when other people do our jobs. Uh, speaking of being on our show, you can also submit your throw your phone moments to LRB, save your electronics, and give us content instead. And we have a whole mess of feedback. <laughs> From the last week of TBTL and LRB, starting with the voicemail you heard from Anthony at the top of the show, uh, becoming quite the recurring character in our little lives here at LRB. <laughs> I just want to say, Anthony, I ain't mad at you. I love you. Oh, yeah. All right. So apology accepted, ladies? Absolutely. None required. Yeah. Okay. And if you want to bribe Meredith, uh, Anthony, I think you've got the supplies to do it. So <laughs> just keep that in mind. 
Uh, we've also got a voicemail from, uh, as I'll say, as she said, Elizabeth, call me Beth Mickelreath, uh, who volunteered to help me on TBTL Simpsons Watch and came through this week with Simpsons references, uh, even though I failed to create the spreadsheet we're supposed to be sharing. So why don't we take a second now and listen to her report on TBTL Simpsons Watch. Hey, friendos. This is Elizabeth. Call me Beth McElreath with your TBTL Simpsons report. Hey, I didn't get a spreadsheet from Bobby, so I figured this would be kind of a fun way to do the first week. So, the week beginning, January 23rd, we start with episode 2300, where we have nothing. Then we move on to 2301, nothing. 2302, nothing. But, there's hope. Then, Thursday, episode 2303, we have a drop where Homer and Mr. Burns discuss sitting being the great equalizer. Uh, this episode is Mountain Madness, which is season eight, episode 12. Then Friday, we have 2,304. We get another drop where Homer is talking to the kids in the car about Grand Funk and his favorite ways to rock out. This is a great episode. Homer Palooza, where he goes on tour. Season seven, episode 24. Unfortunately, that wraps the week. So there's your Simpsons recap. Thanks a lot, guys. Power out. So, Beth, thank you uh, for coming through on that, even without any help or support from us. Uh, I will say that we can work on this together. And I say that because you missed one Simpsons reference, but I'll cover it later in the show. It's a pretty deep cut. Well, I missed four. So there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And on to some emails. Uh, Ladies, uh, as you know, last week, uh, Mike charged jojo our uh, tokyo 10 to squat all over japanese toilets for lrb and boy did he uh i will pull up the email now i'm not sure how much of this we should read because it's quite an extensive email but it's all very good it has pictures Um, and video (laughs) yeah it's almost too interactive uh, Jojo writes this. Hi, everyone. I hope you're well. Uh, well, I've never been told to quote squat all over this before. Thanks, Mike. But I'm happy to help out, uh, but not with a voicemail. Uh, <laughs> I can tell you that toilets uh, or Tori or uh, pronounced toy ray right. here are pretty f- frigging awesome. Almost every seat is heated and he notes you'll never go back to normal and be shocked when it's not. And most have a bidet or washlet attached. Mine at home does, without C-clamps, too. Uh, But at the risk of TMI, I've never pressed any of the buttons, despite there being a snazzy remote control on the wall. He provides a picture. Uh, He writes, it's not for me, no matter what Luke says. And then in parentheses again, although I did try Zoodles the other day because he was bored. (laughs) I, I took that to mean he was bored with the Zoodles. Oh, well, he was underwhelmed with Zoodles. Oh. He also, hmm. you know, so he's the anti-Luke. Zoodles aren't interesting, but he's not interesting. <laughs> that might be okay. Um, he goes on to talk about amazing toilets all over the place and even sends us a great video, uh, which uh, ensnared Anne for several minutes. Yeah, I was fascinated. Uh, so I think... 
we can put that video on our Facebook page and in the notes for today's show. Um, ladies, is there more here that you wanted to share on uh, from our toilet correspondent? Well, there's, he, he, he attaches this link that he sent us has several pictures of amazing, amazing toilets in very strange places, like um, in a glass box outside in a garden um, or covered in gold or surrounded by an aquarium with turtles swimming behind you. Uh, one of them is in a ski resort and you put your feet on the skis and the walls are painted to look like you're about to go down a mountain. There's one at the top of a building where it's just windows all around you. I would be very uncomfortable with that. Um, and some of these repeat, but we should we should we should post some of these pictures because these are some incredible toilets. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, thank you for being our JoJo on the spot with all of this. Um, JoJo on the squat. <laughs> Jesus, Meredith. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, well, let's hope that the Japanese McDonald's doesn't come out with any more disgusting entrees because I'm not <laughs> sure he'll do any more work for us after that. <laughs> uh, and so much more, including another foreigner. We got an email from listener, uh, Pamela about the Dutch reaction to, uh, now president Donald Trump. Uh, a great video, which I think we will also put in the show notes and on the Facebook page. I'm not sure I can do it justice, but um, I can't tell if it was. It must be like the Dutch Daily Show or something That's to that what effect. It like, yeah, uh, producing a, a video from the quote unquote Dutch government um, on the election of Donald Trump and and how great how great the Netherlands are in that same spirit. Uh, that was worth my time too. So we got a lot of videos this week to share. Yeah, I seem to remember that um, one of my favorite parts in that video was when he said, "Now we realize that America, it's America first, but can you possibly consider the Netherlands second? So that was sort of the whole tone of the piece. I really enjoyed it. Well, uh, more and more people who live in this country every day are suddenly looking for another country they can go to. So maybe consider the Netherlands. The Netherlands is one of my homelands. Uh, my grandparents are from there. So I'd, I'd be happy to go back to a place Excellent. I've never been. <laughs> I think the question at this point is whether or not you can get a passport, Meredith. I already have one. They can't take that away, can they? Well, we'll see how the next week goes. probably can. Yeah. Uh, we get an email from... Uh, Megan, or was this a Facebook post? I don't remember about the difference between pitons and carabiners. Mm -hmm. Pitons are the things you nail into the rock face. Carabiners are the clips that hipsters use to keep their keys on their belt. Jason says our archive contest prizes, more on that later, should be called Wagons Full of Loot instead of Loot Crate. I like that. Mm -hmm. I wagons do too. Full of Loot. We yeah. can work on that. So uh, more on that to come. And a late breaking note I wanted to include in feedback uh, a note on our Facebook page from one Emily Cullen <laughs> just earlier today. We're recording on Sunday morning. Uh, episode 188, I hope Nancy Reagan learned before she died that her anti-drug campaign affected one person, hashtag Anne. <laughs> and the thing about Nancy Reagan is I was always kind of scared of her because she was so little and kind of skeletal and she had that big dyed hair and... She reminded me of my grandma, and it's not a grandma that I liked very much. So I don't know why I would choose to absorb her lessons. Well, the important part is that it worked, right? Mm-hmm. Say no to drugs, guys. 
That's right. Uh, we're looking at you, Meredith. <laughs> All right. Can I just say no to drugs that I don't know what they are? That's my lesson as of late. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, with that, Anne, why don't you get started with your with our week in review? Oh, you know, I thought that since the no point conversion is over for the season, that we would have a show that wasn't an hour and a half long, but I was wrong. <clears throat> so Monday, uh, show 2300, hashtag squad bowls. I'd like to say at the top of this that I think these sock club promos are ridiculous, not because I have anything against sock club, but because they so clearly don't believe in anything that they're saying when Andrew's <laughs> talking about sock club and how great it is. They had an extended conversation about how they hate fancy socks. And then he went on to talk about what a great Valentine's day gift it is. And um, just to give people a little preview, I'm working on a Valentine's day clip show and he actually says straight out. I hate Valentine's day in one of them. Well, he hates every holiday. So that's, that's not news. <laughs> that's true. I have a question. Is this more or less offensive to you than Luke claiming to have done Blue Apron? <laughs> hmm. You know, more he did offensive say that, that he started to cook a little bit lately. Well, I think Luke is just fudging on the Blue Apron. I think Carrie does Blue Apron and Luke's in the kitchen for it. So he's Blue Apron adjacent at this point. <laughs> He drinks the wine pairings. That's his <laughs> <True>. contribution. <laughs> so anyway, I can't listen to these sock club promos without being like, whatever. And I like socks. Uh, another note, because I feel like we should just get the poop talk out of the way. Uh, Luke says in reference to Rudy, if the dog poop is thawing, spring is around the corner. Uh, and it's in the treads of your sneakers. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, as mentioned, Luke and Carrie have been doing some cooking, and this means that they are watching cooking shows, where when they were um, redoing the house, they were watching home improvement shows. Now that they're cooking, they're watching cooking shows. And then this sets off a whole mess of cooking show talk, including a talk about Top Chef and a discussion of a black contestant forced to be in a cook-off at a plantation in South Carolina. Um, Andrew doesn't watch cooking shows, so he's very confused. He thought that Chopped was a car show, but it's not. It's a cooking show. And they get into a side discussion about chop shops and how in the 80s all the TV shows were all about going to illegal chop shops. But you never see them on TV anymore, so does that mean there are no chop shops anymore? I feel like I see them a lot, or things that I assume are chop shops in real life. Just like sketchy garages. On the mean streets of Dallas? There are some mean streets here. <laughs> Believe it or not. I actually just, I like Luke and Carrie's TV logic. This explains why Sam and I have been committing so many naval crimes lately. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, they continue on with chop talk once Andrew actually understands what it is. And Luke does a sort of a fair... Uh, a fair amount of time on the host, Ted Allen, from Queer Eye from the Straight Guy. That's where I know him from. How, was that like 15 years ago now? And talks yeah. about how he has no charisma at all. Um, I mean, just because he's not the gay doesn't mean that he doesn't have his own charisma. But okay, Luke. And they get into the idea of Chopped Jr. 
and um, Genevieve was forcing Andrew then to watch um, America's Best Lip Syncing Kids. And they talk about kids on reality shows. And I kind of feel the same way that I'm not very big into um, reality shows that have just scaled down for kids, except for my very favorite reality competition show. So you think you can dance, which did a kid's version this last summer. And I wasn't going to watch it because I thought it was stupid. And then I caught it once and I was like, God damn it. These kids are good. So I guess I'm on the fence about America's best lip syncing kids. <laughs> why? Why has lip syncing become such a talent? Do we who who do we have to blame for this? Is this Jimmy Fallon? Yes, fault? it's a talent that's not a talent. You don't have to have right. any talent to do lip syncing. And why do we find it so entertaining? It's just a it's it's a phenomenon I don't understand. No, I, I don't I've either. got nothing for this. We're no. so far out of my element. I love the cooking shows, but the talent. The talent contest shows, I just can't wrap my brain around. Yeah. Um, well, I can't watch the singing shows because I'm a decent enough singer that I can <laughs> more or less accur- accurately critique the performances, which really aren't very good for most of it. But the dancing ones, I can't dance at all. So I can just watch and enjoy that. And the cooking stuff, you can pretend that you're going to eat it. So that's a, an, an entry into those shows. Um, moving on, Luke is very excited about this Netflix show, The OA, that he binged on. I haven't watched it, so uh, but there's a whole thread going on the Stens page about people wanting to talk about it that I stayed away from in case I decide I do want to watch it. But he's very impressed because the star, Britt Marling, is also the writer, and he thinks that's quite a bit of talent. Um, I would just like to point to my crazy ex-girlfriend and Rachel Bloom is the writer, yes. star, songwriter, producer. God knows she does that whole show and she is so good. She is so good. <laughs> Terrible show name, but great show. Uh, Andrew introduces the idea of a TBTL rating system for movies and TVs, I guess. Um, and he solicits ideas from the listeners as to what kind of rating system we should have. And we'll get back to that later in the week. A quick note on the donors. They are still talking about, damn, I wish you were, I wish I was your lover. And Luke says that the lyrics are messed up. But really, does anybody listen to the lyrics on that song? I feel like I've been listening to that song for years and I've never paid attention no, to those lyrics. No, no, no. But they are really weird. <laughs> the whole point of that song is to sing along to that one line. Yeah. If you yeah. can just go, damn, I wish I was your lover, then that whole song has served its purpose. I so- do love that Luke points out that she has never done sex. <laughs> if that's how she thinks it goes. <laughs> Uh, we actually get bookended this week with weird Luke sex mentions because he talks about his parents having sex on Friday. Oh, yeah. And it's super awkward. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure Luke knows how the sex works based on how he described. <laughs> Maybe he's the one who's never done sex. 
Um, they're about to get into the top story, but it has a political flavor. So they take a side moment to talk about how much they should discuss politics in what I'm calling the, the new world order. Should they talk about it more? Should they just pretend that it's not happening? Um, they have been getting a lot of emails and more people want them to be politically engaged than in the past. And Andrew said he kind of agrees with this. He's never felt this way before. I think a lot of us can say that, that sort of political urgency that we have never experienced. Um, and I think, um, I think they should do what they want, but not turn this into a political talk show because I don't know. I have other sources for that. If that's what, well, they've always talked about politics a little bit, Yeah, but I feel like we're kind of getting it from all sides right now. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, I, I like that TBTL can be a bit of a, uh, a break from that. Yeah. I, I feel overwhelmed by politics at this point. I mean, being hosted by at least one person who doesn't vote, <laughs> they, sh- they should just, they should just go in as deep as they, they should just go in as deep as interests them and not harp on it. Just like anything else they talk about, they shouldn't try to overserve or underserve people who are politically motivated. Um, my issue in this new world order, as you put it, is just containing my snark in my non-political life uh, because I just want to be sarcastic and vent my frustration about this through everything I say. Yeah. And I, even at the top of the show, when I said like, Oh, get your LRB t-shirts before the uniforms come like <laughs> stuff like that, which I say when I'm hosting trivia and realize someone in the room probably thinks that's not funny, but thankfully it's Providence. So most people think it is funny. Um, but just have to remember that some of the people around you don't always agree with you. Uh, Although I will note that Facebook has become quite the echo chamber lately, including most of the group chats I'm in. I just, I've been quieter in a lot of the group conversations I'm in lately just because I'm just so exhausted listening to everyone agree. Yeah. And I have a a, a Uh, friend who has, is becoming politically active for the first time because of this. And I actually had to turn off notifications from her because it was 10, 12, 15 links and posts and whatever a day. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't deal with it anymore, and I think if if TBTL became a a place of of continual politics, that would change my listening habits for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got the Washington Post app on my phone. I don't need Facebook to also be my Washington Post. App. Yeah, <laughs> and I and I also think at this particular friend, I've started to see her posting links that have less veracity i'll say like she started with the washington post and now she's moving out to some more far-flung uh Mm. news sources because she's just so upset and so angry and i think that's the dangerous steps so i i want to stay away from that i want to make sure that i i stay with the the real news such as it is classified you know yeah but to get into the semi-political topic the new press secretary sean spicer has been in the news not only because of all the really stupid things that he's been saying but because he is at war with dip and dots of all the companies (laughs) to pick a fight with i don't understand why you picked dip and dots but he's been angry at them since 2010 um when he 
said that they are not the ice cream of the future. And oh, by the way, Andrew has said that he has never had Dippin' Dots. I mean, you'd think that somewhere along the line he would have at least tried it. That's such a thing that kids love. But um, in 2011, when Dippin' Dots filed for bankruptcy, he called it the ice cream of the past. But then he was very <laughs> upset when he was at a Nationals game and they ran out of vanilla Dippin' Dots. And as the guys pointed out, how would he know that they were running out of vanilla Dippin' Dots unless he was trying to buy them? So, <laughs> And why would they run out unless a bunch of people were trying to buy them as well, yeah. right? Like, obviously, people want to eat these things. One more question. Who is excited about the ice cream of the future and then thinks, I want vanilla? Right! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can't you at least buy the multi-flavor one, right? That's, that. Yeah, right. That's part of the magic of Dippin' Dots is that you can mix, like, three different flavors together. Vanilla Dippin' Dots. Yeah. Well, now, they didn't talk about this on the show, but then the story that popped up about how he chews and swallows 35 pieces of cinnamon gum a day. <laughs> He's got bigger problems than Dippin' Dots. Also his boss. And uh, moving into what really upset Luke is that uh, Spicer also uh, took a big shot at Daft Punk, apparently. Um, and this is where I got mad because Luke engaged in my biggest pet peeve of what he does on the show, which is he started making wild speculations with absolutely no evidence. He started talking about how Sean Spicer obviously is you know, not not a true fan of Daft Punk or not a real fan of Daft Punk. He probably heard a song at the bar and thought, that's pretty good. Or he probably heard it at some barbecue and he thought, hey, I like that song and listened to a couple and now considers himself a fan and entitled to tweet about them. And I'm like, for fuck's sake, just because he hasn't read the Pitchfork in-depth profile doesn't mean he's not allowed to like or dislike Daft Punk on his Twitter feed even if it's a stupid thing to say. And by the way, I agree with him. Those helmets are stupid looking. And I don't care <laughs> that I don't know anything about Daft Punk. They look dumb. They do look dumb. <laughs> so what made me angry I, about this was that that Spicer's so bad at insults. Uh, yes. <laughs> he Dippin' Dots are not the ice cream of the future. And I'm going to call him Daft Funk, which is sort of a compliment. Yeah, it's not really an insult at all. No. And I, I mean, uh, I think Sean Spicer's a turd, but he's allowed to have his opinion about what bands he likes. And he's allowed to say that. And for Luke to somehow sure. make some assessments about his his fitness or his fandom is he does that all the time. He did it once. I remember um, they talked about this with fallout boy and it was before I was involved with LRB and I was like, okay, you guys, you better talk about this. And then you didn't. And I was so <laughs> mad at you. That's a throw your phone moment. You should have sent us an email. It was, I should have. He's talked about it like with, with um, NCIS. He's made some very um, sweeping judgment about what kind of people must watch NCIS. Which which I tried to resolve with an email which he read on the air drunk during the 1000th episode. <laughs> I he also makes some, that. just a, to, a spoiler alert, he makes some false claims about Coachella later in the week that I will talk about. <laughs> so more than his entitled etiquette, this is the one thing that really 
makes me upset when he does this. But I hate to have to come to Sean Spicer's defense. I hate it. But <laughs> there we go. And uh, Andrew emphasizes the importance of proper grammar and spelling in tweets. I think it's more egregious when your press secretary um, spells things wrong and treat tweets than when an average person does but you know five years ago he wasn't anybody's press secretary probably so i don't think you can hold it to a retroactive higher standard what i keep wondering about this guy's twitter account is once you become the press secretary for the united states of america why don't you delete your twitter start a new one yeah lock up the old one start a new one because you know everyone's going to be combing back and pulling out all your dumb tweets about dipping dots Mm -hmm. of course Mike Pence should have done that, too, or else they he would seem so conflicted that. about right. this week's news. Or, gosh, maybe you could have just shown some moral fiber in the first place and been a decent person and tell the truth. And stick well, that would be option number one. But, yeah. yeah, we're kind of past that now. Yeah. Yes. Um, so this gets Luke going on about pretending to have cred music cred and he tells a story about getting caught in a lie about going to an air concert um <laughs> and andrew said something i forget i don't think i wrote it down on my notes but andrew was like wait you lied about going to a concert but he we was have- just flabbergasted that luke would do that but he's told the story didn't he lie when he was a kid about going to a wham mm-hmm. concert to impress his cousin yes. so yes. <laughs> not like this is new territory um Andrew says that he doesn't lie anymore because he always got caught when he <laughs> lied as a kid. He, and he never, ever wants to pretend that he knows when he doesn't, um, uh, even though he may actually have some knowledge because he's just so afraid of getting called out on something that he's represented falsely. And Luke, of course, is the opposite. And even uh, he uses the example of this person, Gabriel Tigerman, who is an actor or something. I forget. I looked up his profile and who sort of knows him as a friend of a friend and is likely to be like, oh, yeah, he's my best friend. And he tells the uh, Eagle Rock bowling story again of where he pretended to Vanessa that he was going to um, that he had made an effort to buy that bowling alley, which, of course, was a total fabrication. Um, So I have a story about sort of being caught in a lie. I am totally like Andrew. I don't lie because I can't lie. And because, not that I get caught, but because the feeling of being about to get caught is so terrifying to me. It feels so awful. And this is related in that it's not so much a story about lying, but a story about cheating. And the one and only time I ever cheated in school, I was in fourth grade, and we had just moved from London to Zurich, Switzerland. And we moved in the middle of the school year. And you get these little bubbles of knowledge sometimes that you miss when you move in the middle of a school year. It's like the school you left hadn't covered it yet. And the school you go to had already covered it. And so everybody expects you to know it. And then you you don't. But so I'm at this new school. And my teacher, Mr. Tony Simcock, yes, that's his real name, Simcock, says he's going to teach us long division with two-digit divisors. And I knew all about how to do single-digit divisors, but I had no idea how to do two-digit divisors. But he said he was going to give us a test, and I freaked out because I thought that I was supposed to know this, and I don't know what I thought. I thought, they'll know, they'll think I'm stupid, they'll, whatever the consequences would be. So I cheated off the Asian kid who sat next to me, <laughs> as, as one does. 
<clears throat> and then uh, Tony was not ready to go into the lesson yet, so he decided to do some peer-on-peer teaching, and he paired up the kids that did really well with the kids that did really poorly. So he paired me up with some other kid, and I was supposed to teach him how to do this. And I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) And so now they're going to know that I'm stupid, and they're going to know that I cheated, and it's going to be the end of everything for me. And I had the most miserable 10 minutes of my life sitting there going, uh... Can't you just do it? Because I <laughs> didn't know how to how to approach this at all. And then I realized later on that this was a pretest, that they had kids coming and going from around the world so often that he just needed to figure out what page everybody was on so he could appropriately plan the lesson. But when he finally taught it, I have never paid so much attention in class in my whole entire life. I was like, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And then what? I see. And I have never cheated again because it was just so awful. So I'm with Andrew. The lesson you learned here, because it was a pretest, is to always set the bar low. <laughs> always tr- keep expectations as low as possible. If anything, you'll just outperform in the mm-hmm. end. I truly don't know what I thought would happen if I didn't know how to do this two-digit <laughs> division. But it just seemed like it would be the worst thing in the world if I was found out to not know. So along with not doing drugs, I advocate for kids don't cheat. It doesn't work out very well for you. And I just want to direct a series of 1980s PSAs with you. (laughs) (laughs) You're just a walking after school special right now. I really am. Just all I need is an unintended pregnancy and then... I've got, like, the whole set. (laughs) Uh, Going back to uh, bowling alleys and bowling alley talk, uh, Andrew says that he wants to buy and run Imperial Lanes with Luke. But Luke wants to know, but then who will he fight with? If he's the owner of the bowling alley, he doesn't have anybody to get into conflict with when he's drunk. And Luke decides that they should go and and do a TBTL from the bowling alley, in which if we didn't know already that he doesn't listen to the shows that he's not on, that would be our clue, because Andrew says, I I did fun with Phyllis. And then they talk about how bowling alleys have a difficult time staying profitable in this day and age, and they don't know why, because bowling alleys are awesome. (laughs) Um, Let's see. Uh... Talking about tweets, they say someone, and that someone we know turned out to be Jeremy Holmes, retweeted a Luke tweet from 2009 that said, I am powerful. (laughs) (laughs) So clearly the Twitter manicuring has not gone back that far. (laughs) And he wants to know what on earth he was thinking by doing that, that, making that tweet. And uh, then they talk a little bit about their first tweet. And Andrew's had some interest in this a lot. They've talked about this before. Uh, finally getting to uh, the hmm? – I just want to say I forgot to plug it at the top of the show. But if you haven't listened to Friday's show yet, speaking of Jeremy, uh, Mike is off this week. Uh, so uh, since Mike wasn't around to stop us, we let Jeremy co-host <laughs> the Friday show. Jeremy and Christy actually gave the full LRB Nerd Out Loud treatment to uh, Jeff Richardson 
Uh, and it's a great episode of the show. The mm-hmm. clip from TBTL is good, but much more importantly, uh, the chemistry and the conversation between Christy and Jeremy and Jeff is really, really great. So, um, and and Jeff really gets the Luke and Andrew two bros vibe in a yes. good way, mm-hmm. in a sarcastically good way. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. So if you haven't listened to the Friday show yet, please go back and listen to the Friday show. Not not now. I mean, stop. Finish listening to us first. But right. then once you're done with this episode, go back because it's worth it. I agree. And emails for the day. Uh, they got a tweet. It turned out to be from us. Uh, setting them straight on the whole Lindsay Lohan conversation that Luke referenced last week that Andrew said, no, we didn't talk about that. And it was only because Luke talked about it with Jen. So that's all um, that's all settled. And Andrew is relieved um, because it means he's not totally losing his mind, that there is an entire conversation that he just has no memory of. Uh, then we we have an email from Casey in Boise, and yes, it is Boise and not Boise. There is no Z. They go into a jewel song that has that pronunciation correction in it. Uh, an email from Anthony that Mr. Blue, which is one of the songs that Luke picked last week, Mr. Blue by the Fleetwoods, uh, was actually used in a movie. Luke and Carrie had been saying that there should be uh, a movie that uses this. It was used in National Lampoon's Vacation, and that took them down to a, a side conversation about the dirty question mark scene in uh, National Lampoon's Vacation. Because, of course, Luke hasn't seen it, but that's not going to stop him from talking about it. And they end the show with a discussion of the movie poster, which became the show picture for the day. And that's Monday. How has we? How has he not seen National Lampoon's Vacation? It's just one of those movies that just sort of pops up on cable at least once every couple of months now. I confess, I haven't seen it. It's not good. I'm just saying it's there. I mean, <laughs> I feel like it, I, I feel like it was good, but the shelf life is just gone. It doesn't have yeah. the shelf life of of Christmas Vacation, but. I don't know. Uh, my, it's, my mom says, uh, she says this about Caddyshack. She said, it's better after you've had a couple of beers. And I suspect that vacation is probably <laughs> the same way. Kill all the golfers. Yeah, uh, definitely. And a couple of beers or a tiny fence or two probably yeah. make Caddyshack a lot better. Uh, but that we're going to Tuesday 2301. He who smelt it, melted it. Uh, Andrew still occasionally starting with his uh, foreign uh, intros goes with Hola, Mr. Cola, which made me happy, and then starts a conversation about Crystal Pepsi. The false scarcity of Crystal Pepsi is over. It is now everywhere. He's and so everyone... obsessed with Crystal Pepsi. And it's so gross. Yeah, it's so gross. I got one when they rolled back out over the summer and it was so bad. I feel no need. I had one once when they were out for real and it was so just like syrupy and overly sweet and nasty. I have like, I still remember what it tastes like and I have no desire to go back. It's funny. We were talking about smoking the other day in our planning conversation. Oh, yeah. And I mentioned how I had one traumatic experience where an older kid made me try a cigarette when I was like eight. And I burned out my lungs so bad that I never wanted to do it again. It sounds like you had the same experience with Crystal Pepsi. <laughs> yeah. And the opposite experience with cigarettes, unfortunately. I tried one of those and I was like, this is great. <laughs> Uh, I found a lot fascinating about this soda conversation as a uh, diehard 
Diet Coke fan. More on that in a minute. Uh, let's put a pin in that, Anne. I can hear you getting ready. But first, <laughs> uh-huh. I am amazed that Luke has no Coke or Pepsi loyalty. I mean, I, I get... Yeah, he's so wrong about this. Right. But, I think if you go into a restaurant and you like one and they have the other and you say, okay, fine, that's fine. If you're a, uh, if you can make that accommodation, <clears throat> fine. But to have zero loyalty mm-hmm. between the two, I mean, that's just like saying you don't care if you have a ham sandwich or a turkey sandwich. Like, they're just different things. How do you not – how are you not – And he does for, care. Right. He does care because he's always talking about how much he loves Coke Zero. Mm-hmm. Right, which is a fair point. Um, I also like that Andrew notes that Genevieve recently turned away an RC Cola. (laughs) (laughs) Now that's a principled woman. Yes. (laughs) I mean, she is from Atlanta, right? So I would imagine Mm -hmm. that her cokedom is especially strong. Right. Um, If I go to uh, a restaurant and I order a Diet Coke and they say, Diet Pepsi okay? I will usually say, no, thanks. I'll just have water. Only if I'm really desperate for a Diet Soda would I drink a Diet Pepsi. All right. All right. So let's do this. Uh, okay. I I pivot to a clear soda usually. Uh, and then I don't get a refill. Because if I'm going to drink a soda that's a full sugar soda, like a like a Sierra Mist or a Sprite, um, I'm, only, I'm not going to drink it all day. Whereas Diet Coke, I will drink all day uh, mm-hmm. when i was in when i was growing up i grew up in a coca-cola red bottle red can household and then in high school at some point we switched to diet and i uh hated it at first because i thought it was giving me headaches um but then they fussed with it and for a while they went to splenda and then they went back and wh- wherever they landed with diet coke when i was young i liked it and so i've been a diet coke person ever since and i drink it way too much i drink diet coke all day every day i go through phases where i try to cut back and drink more water and then i just fall back into diet coke especially when it's on sale but um i stockpile it and i think sam hates how much i'll come home and buy at a time um but yeah i don't i don't drink regular sugar soda nope and i don't think it's a treat too like i used to think that whole oh yeah mexican coke whatever kosher coke which is basically the same thing as mexican um but I just, it's too sickeningly sweet for me. It's, it, Diet Coke's not an accommodation for diet. I actually just like it more. Agreed. 100%. And, uh, I remember being really little and my mom used to drink tab, but then at some point, probably we moved to Europe and you couldn't get tab there. So she switched to Diet Coke and we weren't allowed soda at all for the most part. And so it was a really big treat if you got to drink one of mom's Diet Cokes and I can't drink the regular stuff. I think that's gross. I know. Uh, Meredith, we've had a conversation about how you can taste the aspartame and it's just gross to you, but it works for me. Yeah, I was so my parents were kind of hippie-ish and we didn't even have soda in the house. So we certainly weren't allowed to drink it, but they, they weren't, uh, they, they just didn't even have it in the house. So they didn't drink it either. Uh, once we got to be about teenagers and, and they started to drink diet Pepsi and I thought it was the just so gross. I thought it was the grossest thing I've ever tasted it's like you know it it was just like carbonated chemicals um with caffeine i guess that was the the appeal is that it had caffeine in it um so i've never really been much of a soda person at all um in michigan of course we call it pop right pap um (laughs) 
also not appealing to me. I hate the way that sounds. So I was just never much of a, a soda person. I'm still not. I have a soda stream, but I, I use it to make uh, sparkling water. So if I'm at a restaurant, um, I'm going to get water or sparkling water or alcohol. There's pretty much nothing else that I'll order at a restaurant, and I don't ever buy soda. Um, on the rare occasion, like when I was a kid, if, if, if we got really lucky and they took us to McDonald's, I guess I would order a Coke. So it would be plain, regular sugar Coke. Um, but it's nothing I think about. It's nothing I drink regularly. Oh man, I wish I could get to that place. <laughs> uh, so my question, uh, for Anne then is, um, will you ever drink a Pepsi? Because I really won't <laughs> like really ever, ever a Pepsi, Pepsi, a Pepsi, no. Pepsi, a Pepsi no. or a diet Pepsi or any of that. It, uh, occasionally you... I will drink a diet Pepsi if I'm desperate but it's extremely rare because i don't really like them yeah yeah that's the thing i don't want to drink something i don't like i'd rather just i'll get a coffee at that point because i'm an old man but right oh and we um, have to we have to say this bobby you and i do to the listeners who might feel the impulse to send us feedback on this and say you know that fake sugar is worse than real sugar we know yeah. we you know. know what you know what no 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 no, no, no. Science check. Um, I'm not into to, to soda, real or fake sugar, but there's no science to support that in humans. I'm sorry. There's just not. Yes. It's not worse just for you. Just mice. Just mice. Just mice. I, We're not mice. We don't inject it under our skin. The dose makes the poison. I will support your right to drink well, this garbage you don't. to the end. <laughs> well, I, told, I don't. I told That's you true. I was a hardcore I don't, fan. <laughs> I don't know how you're ingesting it. That's true. Uh, I, I promise to people who say that a diet soda is worse than regular soda or anything i understand all of that but i can't help it i i don't drink i don't i mean i don't drink alcohol i don't drink coffee i don't like tea if i didn't drink soda i would have nothing but water and that's a boring way to live so please i said once to my mom listen i don't drink i don't smoke i'm not promiscuous i don't do drugs please give me my diet coke and she said to me hmm, sounds like rationalizing Anne. but please everybody just let me have this one thing as celine dion implored us all just let her have this one thing <laughs> she's never touched anything in her life uh, so, right. We want to hear your feedback, listeners, about everything except Diet Coke, because Anne and I just don't care. Nope. <laughs> um, good. All right. Let me see here. <laughs> there are so many other things. Anne and I, I think we're going to fight over who was the bigger Diet Coke fan, but I don't think we can do that now because we're in an alliance against the <laughs> You're world. You're united. I think we are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, more soda talk. Andrew, uh, during his child labor years, remembers the most refreshing moment of his life being cracking open a cold can of orange soda. He's not wrong. It is good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. it's. Orange it has caffeine, though. No, it doesn't. One of them does. That does it? I, I thought yeah. orange didn't. Hmm. Well. Unless my mom lied to me about why I couldn't drink it. <laughs> I mean, the the flavored, you know, fruit flavored sodas were definitely something we were not allowed to drink, except when we went to one of my grandmother's and in her fridge in the, the uh, vegetable crisper drawer, she had it filled with cans of Shasta because, you know, why would you need it for vegetables? So it was like orange <laughs> Shasta and grape Shasta. Oh, those were good visits to grandma's house. Sunkissed has caffeine. 
Really? Mm. Mm-hmm. I had Funkus no idea. Diet Lemonade. Not bad. All right, then. Uh, soda Talk uh, transitions into Luke and Andrew both talking about that cold soda of their youth moments and realizing uh, that in their menial jobs uh, between Andrew working for his father and Luke working for that uh, crooked plumber that he's talked about many, many times, they both had those classic Cintas uniform shirts with their names on them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and actually, we should see if there's a way we can make that into swag because I think as much as it would make me look like a hipster even more than I am, I would probably wear uh, a TBTL uniform shirt. That might that, be a shirt I'd actually yeah. wear. Yeah, that'd be fun. So we should work on that. Um, Andrew's dad happily retired. I, and I don't, I don't remember why Andrew wanted to note that. <laughs> like just because know. he talks about him having worked so hard. Uh, it sort of segued into the idea of retirement and their own personal feelings about whether they would be happy being retired. And Andrew thinks he would just be perfectly happy just kicking it all day. But he thinks that Luke would get antsy, I guess, would have to be on to the next project or the next stage that he can be on in front of people. Right. Uh, Let's go to our top story of Tuesday. Um, There is also a real top story that they barely touch on, but this is the true TBTL top story. Andrew is making candles now. Indeed. (laughs) I wouldn't have pegged him for a candle making guy. No, neither. Um, He actually went to an aromatherapy store um, that they decided it was Zenith Supplies, not R2 Cents. (laughs) Zenith Supplies is a terrible name for a candle store. I know, I think that's electronics. Yeah, that's a TV repair shop from the 80s. Yeah, right. Uh, and they totally upsold the shit out of him. He went in there for one thing, and they turned him into a candler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Luke is jealous that Andrew now has a hobby. <laughs> and Andrew asserts that he needs to perfect his skills before he can start gifting people candles, because he doesn't want to give anyone a dud. Uh, I would say much like the butter tarts hand. Ah, right. Uh, the best thing about this discussion to me is that Luke is so on top of it, because... Andrew Ellison says, what's this? And Luke's like, it's candle in the wind. (laughs) 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 And then he on the fly switches the donor song to eternal flame, which is just perfect. (laughs) Uh, Are you guys candle burner? This is the dumbest question I think I've ever asked. Do you guys burn candles? (laughs) I do sometimes, um, especially if we are having a big party. I put one in the bathroom. Well, it's very polite of you. That's true. I am not a candle burner at all. Just we never had them growing up. And and I don't know. I just want my house to smell clean. I don't need it to smell like cinnamon buns. I I don't like the overly scented ones. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. My, I used to love burning candles and incense when I was a teenager and it made my parents really, really nervous. And they mm-hmm. still think that I'm irresponsible with fire. Um, they sent me a care package for Christmas and it included these little discs and, and they were really pretty. And, and I sent him a picture of them and I said, well, what, these are nice. Thank you. But what, <laughs> what are they? And they said, oh, they're to catch the wax from candles because we're worried you're going to burn your house down. <laughs> I'm 35. I can handle a candle. (laughs) We don't burn a ton of candles. I mean, we have for Advent, we had our Advent wreath out 
and we just put it on a plate with some aluminum foil under it because it tends to drip all over the place. But Sam will, like last night we had dinner in the dining room, which is a rare feat for us. And because it was our first uh, HelloFresh dinner, we wanted to celebrate it. Uh, and so we did light a couple of little tea lights. Um, but for the most part, we don't do it too often. This segment made me think I should light candles more because <laughs> I'm quickly becoming a middle-aged woman. No offense to middle-aged <laughs> women. Hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Not at all. Uh, but it would add a nice hue to my NCIS watching. So It would. Yeah. It's good for ambiance sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, onto our real top story from Tuesday. Uh, checking email often causes stress. Uh-huh. I'm glad they only mm-hmm. needed to save 30 seconds for that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, if you check your email repeatedly all day long with anticipation for nothing, uh, that will raise your level of stress and or anxiety. Um, right. And, well, Luke correctly points out that maybe it's the fact that he checks it obsessively but then doesn't ever take care of any of it <laughs> yeah. that could add to his stress level. Yeah, I was thinking, wait, he checks his email? <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I should start every email to him with, I know you'll read this. <laughs> um, I think in Stu's farewell address in the last um, TPTL newsletter, he noted that getting a response rate of 50% from Luke was a proud moment. Yeah, no yeah, kidding. That. Yeah. <laughs> uh, emails. Uh, we get the the climbing spike as a P-Tom. We already got into that a little bit. Uh, and some suggestions for TPTL rating systems. Um Instead of two thumbs up or four stars, we get uh, bearded clams. Nope. Nope. Tall ships. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Fish sandwiches, which Andrew doesn't like. I agree. I like that the best of those three. Yeah. Right. But I, I like, like fish all... sandwiches, but not fish sandwiches. sandwiches. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Sandwiches, not sandwiches. I feel like all of these things cop on other people's jokes. True. Though I, I think we need mm-hmm. to find something that is uniquely TBTL if it's going to be something that they co-opt that involved. I, I mean, I don't know why I care. They're going to forget about this conversation in two weeks anyway. But, uh, you know, I feel like it should be something from TBTL original lore, not something they stole from somewhere. Uh, and also, uh, Ashley, uh, f- I believe that's Ashley from Dallas. Yep. Uh, needs new phrases for aha moments because apparently she works somewhere where this comes up a lot (laughs) (laughs) oh i'm sorry ashley (laughs) i might suggest finding a job where it doesn't come up as much a job that is not so dependent on aha moments (laughs) just stop going to meetings yeah (laughs) um she works for eureka incorporated um (laughs) uh and speaking of aha uh, the show is about to end, you think, with uh, Take On Me, the only song anyone ever knew from the band Aha. But uh, before we close out the show, uh, Chris Hayes, uh, unpaid associate producer Chris Hayes, submitted a link to a variation of the Smash Mouth song All Star, where every note is a C. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> I had heard this Last week, actually, I saw this flying around the internet, and it was pretty terrible. Uh, and it was pretty terrible again when they decided to use it as the outro music instead of Take On Me, which is a banger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and listener Naomi pointed out to us how upset she was about the bait and switch between AHA and the monotone Smash Mouth. I think she is the uh, – of the 
uh, a vocal contingent of the majority of listeners. I think pretty much everyone was mad about that. Uh huh. Can I say something about this all star and C thing? Uh, they made a big deal about, oh, isn't it terrible how you put Smash Mouth all into one note and it sounds awful. Yeah, it's going to sound like that for any song. I don't yes. care if you play any fucking Beatles song all in C. It's going to sound terrible. I mean, there are lots of bands that uh, you don't have to artificially move all their uh, melodies down to be one note that are practically one note as it is. Why do we have to focus on... Smash Mouth, who's done nothing but be kind of bro pop music. It's not, it's not about them at all. And this is, in fact, the definition of tone deaf when you listen to this. Because lots of people will say, oh, I'm just totally tone deaf. No, you're not. Tone deaf means that you can't make out any difference between notes. Like, you can't listen to two notes and tell which one is higher. So it sounds, so every sound to you, every piece of music sounds like this particular song. Oh, how awful. Yep. So there are actually very, very few people in the world who are um, sincerely tone deaf. Yeah. Uh, I will wait for someone to take a bunch of the other music of 1999 and make it all on C. Wild Wild West came out in 1999. (laughs) LFO's Summer Girls came out in 1990. Look, it was just a rough year for music. Yeah. But... uh, Yeah, Naomi, we're with you. Thank you for voicing your frustration. We all agree. And in fact, at the very end of that episode, for any of you who actually made it through the entire song, the guys actually do wonder if anyone is still listening. They actually have that conversation at the end. (laughs) I did not make it. (laughs) I had to turn it off. So uh, there you go. All right. Wednesday, 2302, The Haunting of Owl Bridge. Luke's at Andrew's apartment and for some reason thinks Andrew might be drunk. (laughs) I don't know if that's a joke or not. Um, I can see that being the truth. Uh, Luke points out that he still has his $41,000 loaner Audi and he wants to park it irresponsibly uh, in direct violation of the Treaty of Wallingford that was never signed. Mm -hmm. Calls it the occurrence at Owl Bridge, which is actually the occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Um, a cultural reference that he stole from Genevieve. And Luke gets kind of, I put in my notes that he's nonplussed because Andrew has made a cultural reference that Luke doesn't know. And he's kind of like, huh. He didn't try to pretend he knew it. Yeah, that was good. So that's a step in the right direction. (laughs) Nice use of nonplussed. You actually used it right. Yeah. Um, I was frustrated because Luke talks about encountering cats still doesn't know which cat is which well he called it didn't he call it um theo bananas yes <laughs> i uh, wasn't that hard to tell was i right. want to know if it if it was theo actually being friendly or P- professor bananas being sociable <laughs> right because it would be a feat either way mm-hmm um, Andrew can hear the music from his ups- his new upstairs neighbor, um, but it's usually in the middle of the day. It's not that big of a deal. And they have a cordial relationship because they have to coordinate garbage removal. Yep. So he's not going to get mad about this. I mean, the whole garbage situation, as we know, is at the top of Andrew's priority list. So if they can work <laughs> together on garbage, they're good. 
Well, and this is just, a, uh, as he points out, this is this is a reality of apartment living. This is one of the reasons I don't live in an apartment anymore, because I hate this sort of stuff mm-hmm. so much. I hate it. It ruins my life. And uh, I, I wouldn't be able to deal with this stress for the rest of my life. Um, Genevieve went to a spa day, got a massage from somebody who looked very familiar, and they couldn't figure out where. Turns out it's her downstairs neighbor um, who knows that when they're watching Game of Thrones. Hmm. <sighs> they have a loud furnace and that requires them to turn the volume way up and uh again she can she can she's she doesn't sound irritated by this it's just a fact of life of living in an apartment that she knows what they're watching i would be really freaked out though if i if i knew that the downstairs neighbor could hear well enough to know that i was watching game of thrones i'd be totally freaked out about it afterwards I'd be like is it too loud is it too loud well there's so many things about so I lived in apartments a lot um, uh, through college and grad school, and then and then we bought a house, and then when we moved to Dallas, we lived in an apartment for a year and a half while we were figuring out where we wanted to live. And one of the things that freaked me out is that I could hear our upstairs neighbors peeing, Blah. like through the pipes. I could yeah. actually hear mm-hmm. it, and I thought, if they can hear that, what can other people hear of me? Mm-hmm. You know, like can they hear me peeing downstairs? And I couldn't live with that stress. I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, we we broke our lease halfway through the second year because I was like, I have to get out of here. We have to buy a house. It's just too much for me. So that shame and frustration was, was worth a security deposit to you. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, and also there was many reasons, but having a dog and having to leash her up and take her downstairs and across the street every time she had to go pee yeah. was another reason. <laughs> yeah. Um, Luke talks about how if he was in that situation, he would absolutely move, even if it was just upstairs to avoid some of this noise. Um, I th- we thought about doing that. Um, and we did the next best, best thing, which is to buy a house. Um, but yeah, we, we considered, you know, shifting everything upstairs but it was, it was an exhausting proposition of moving again you know having just moved across the yeah. country we're we going to move back upstairs again just to avoid some noise um but luke always is trying to upgrade his life um get a better hotel room get something with a better view get a balcony if something if somebody has something that's better than what he has he cannot stand it um, sounds exhausting to me yeah, I, you know, I think there's a difference between wanting things to be better and being content with what you have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you can try to improve things, but he, it sounds like he's never content with anything, and that does sound exhausting. That sounds, like, psychically exhausting. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes things are just fine, um, and and that's fine. It sounds like that's not, not how he lives. Um, sounds like Carrie is pretty much more content with things and doesn't really appreciate him going to bat for things that don't matter all that much. Right. Or having to do it, as you say, every single time. Yeah, like getting into a hotel room and then having to pack up, back up and <laughs> move to a yeah. different hotel. I don't even want to do that. I will stay in my just fine hotel room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I used, um, I used to be more like Luke with those things, but then laziness just sort of started to win out more yeah laziness is powerful yeah just a force for good sometimes just, just i think comfortable good enough yeah this will work yeah. um andrew talks about how when he and luke were at bumbershoot and uh luke 
was was doing this, uh, trying to get them a better view of the show. And Andrew said he was happy to follow, but he wouldn't initiate that sort of sort of action. Um, and, and Luke reiterates how he's not happy unless he has the best view of this concert. He talks about going to um, Coachella, and he calls it the first Coachella, which it was not the first Coachella. Um, the Flaming Lips have only played one Coachella, and that was in 2004, and I know that because I was there. Um, wow. That's also the first and only Coachella I've ever been to. The first one was in 1999. Um, and, and my suspicions were raised because he said that The Cure was there. Um, and and that's one of the reasons I went is to see The Cure. Uh, they don't play that much anymore. And uh, so I, I looked up the, the lineups for the co- various Coachellas. And the, the Flaming Lips were only there in 2004. And The Cure has played twice, but the other one was in 2009. So I'm assuming he was at the 2004 show, which is where we saw The Cure and Radiohead and uh, Pixies. And, of course, The Flaming Lips. Air was there. Um atmosphere danger mouse sage francis it was a really really good show but i get i i agree that coachella should not exist it was awful um <laughs> it was way too hot the water cost like ten dollars for a bottle and oh. the lines for the porta potties were you know 10 miles long so it was awful um i didn't camp i stayed at a hotel in palm springs <laughs> <laughs> and drove to coachella anyway um i had to call him out on that on that error um Andrew talks about how a flight attendant took a shine to him for some reason um, and gave him chocolates. And then he gave her, quote, a bunch of nips, (laughs) which if you don't know the term for small bottles of alcohol that is commonly used in the Northeast (laughs) could sound really terrible to me. You've never you've never gotten a great nip slip on an airplane. (laughs) (laughs) To me, nips are those caramel candies. Yes, yes, that too. So I would, I would before love a handful this to, of nips. <laughs> uh, thank you, Anne. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, so were you not familiar with this term before this? No. It must have been a Northeastern thing because I've, I've heard it too. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we didn't use it a ton at home, but once I moved out, you know, to this, like the real New England Boston area, then it's everywhere. That's very, very common. Um, yeah, the the liquor store where I used to go and buy my underage alcohol, they had a little display of nips at hmm. the, the counter. Yeah. I mean, it's always been used in relation to having a small drink of alcohol. You know, I'll have a nip of brandy nip of, or something. But mm-hmm. I wasn't aware that it was a formalized size. Yes, and uh, brandy's probably too nice for what you're probably getting nips of. Yeah, this I mean, is bum wine. I'm sure they make them, but... <laughs> Yeah, I was just calling them airline bottles because they were that size. I, they're they're what you get when you buy liquor on an airplane, and uh, just slipping nips on an airplane made me think of my twenty first birthday trip to Las Vegas, which was not yeah. as nearly as crazy as you'd think. <laughs> <laughs> For being a twenty first birthday trip to Las Vegas, it was actually mildly depressing. But one highlight of that trip was the flight attendant who kept walking by and dropping nips of uh, Jack Daniels in my lap because she knew it was my 21st birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Top story for today. Lin-Manuel Miranda is pretty close to getting an EGOT and EGOT has a surprisingly interesting history. Um, It was an idea conceived by Philip Michael Thomas of Miami Vice fame. And uh, he would wear an EGOT necklace apparently, which I didn't know about. Um, 
and we hear the 30 Rock clip of Tracy Jordan. And my favorite quote was, that's a good goal for a talented, crazy person. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> Uh, uh, Marvin Hamlish is one of the people on the EGOT list. And I just, for the sake of name dropping, will mention that I used to work with him occasionally in Buffalo before he passed away. And back when I lived back there, um, and, uh, uh, crazy, uh, talented, crazy person might be a good description. Um, also <laughs> just kind of an asshole. Ah, <laughs> that's sad. Yeah, I mean, a great entertainer, but just very particular about the things he liked and how he wanted to be treated. And mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, not to speak all the dead, but kind of an asshole. But, you know, uh, perfectly fine pops conductor for the years that he was in Buffalo. Um, he would get caught um, uh, pick, running errands for him once in a while because he never really did anything for himself. That's all. Mm. That's all I got. It's the only EGOT I think I've ever interacted with. <laughs> Well, we're pretty. We're getting close because Luke has. He realizes in the middle of the dis- discussion that he has an E, or a DTE, as I guess I would put it. And Andrew notes that if you had a Peabody, you would have an EGOT. But come on, it would be a PGOT, right? Obviously, yes. And in okay. fact, as I was reading about this, since uh, Lin Manuel Miranda has a MacArthur Genius Grant, they're saying that he could get a Mac PGOT. Yes, I like it. Yeah. Uh, I like the idea that Justin Timberlake should do light tech work on a Broadway show to get his Tony. <laughs> That'd be worth it. I think. <laughs> it's not inconceivable that he could no. somewhere down the line go for Broadway stuff. He's a good enough singer. That he's he a renaissance man. The, yeah, yeah, he sings and dances all the time on Saturday mm-hmm. Night Live. I think the Oscar might be a little... <laughs> more of a challenge for him could he he's got money he could probably get the oscar through a producer situation somehow probably yeah yeah that's true i think I, that's what i want to know what what's the easiest way to buy to to buy an egot i mean do you just do you just throw your money at a project but insist you get to be called the director because i guess that would be a way to get like a co-creator credit on pretty yeah. much anything yeah. with enough money yeah right yeah um, we get a really great rabbit hole, hole going down um, Philip Michael Thomas's past projects that may qualify him for an yacht, including his great 80s songs, <laughs> um, his anti-drug movie that apparently was a huge flop, and his psychic line, which gave us Miss Cleo. Who knew? I know. This is amazing. What a weirdo. He does sound like a talented, crazy person. His entire okay. career has been launching other people's ships. Yeah. He invents the idea of the EGOP, but doesn't get one, launches a psychic line that launches Miss Cleo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we get a voicemail from either Rod or Rob, I couldn't tell, um, in San Antonio. And he talks about how Luke wasn't actually that crazy to think that there was a woman singing in the band Air. There was a woman named Beth Hirsch who collaborated on their first album. And she, incidentally, was discovered via the walls of her apartment. Mm. Uh, somebody hearing her through her apartment. So I guess it's not all bad. Um, and then we get an email from Chef Emily, our favorite professor of food studies at NYU, specifically only there. I right. mean, we have other ones, as they point out. Um, and she notes that Dippin' Dots were invented by a guy who was actually trying to cryogenically freeze bull semen. 
Of course. That's a fun, dazzling dude that she notes would not be on their website for some reason. But I think we can all enjoy that little fact. And then they talk about how there's a really amazing picture of Wayne Coyne that used to greet Andrew every time he went to work that clearly shows his junk. Uh, Anne, Anne found the picture in question. Thank you, Anne. I no. Google image searched Wayne Coyne KCRW, and it was in the top row of images. It's an amazing picture. Not the search term. I thought you were going to put the end of that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great picture. I mean, I don't know Wayne Coyne from Adam, but um, hair looks good. Suit looks good. Good pose. Junk junk looks good. Yep. (laughs) Prominent. You know, when you... I'm Google image searching Wayne Coyne junk, and I'm not even getting it. (laughs) So I guess, you know, and I would make this the show picture this week, except the show pictures usually have to have to be square or horizontal. And the picture is very vertical. And if I crop it accordingly, it is just going to be a picture of Wayne Coyne's junk. I don't see the problem with that. Uh, I emailed Andrew um, with this picture uh, because I just had to make sure it was the right one. And I, I put it in the body of the email so he couldn't not open it. And I just wrote, is this the picture? Because Anne dropped this in our production notes for the next recap, and I can't get it out of my head now, and I blame you and her. And he wrote back, and he said, that's the photo. Used to greet me every morning. So, nice work, Anne, I guess. Thanks. (laughs) Uh, We'll take to Thursday, 2303, Vapor of the Woods. Uh, we're back at Walsh Walsh and Doormat. I suspected for a while that this episode had also been taped on Wednesday uh, until uh, Luke makes the point that he actually stayed overnight on the boat, mm-hmm. which answers another question that we had recently about the boat. Right. Um, I assumed he hadn't sold it because that would take a lot of effort. Um, right. So he sells the boat and they're back. It's Thursday. Andrew wants pizza. So maybe he's hungover from yesterday's drunk. Uh, and somehow they fall on the leave Ted Williams alone drop. <laughs> it, it's a scattered start to the show. Uh, Andrew found his old iPod or resurfaced his old iPod, the old pre touchscreen edition, and is getting nostalgic uh, about the music on it because it's a bit of a music time capsule from the days when he used to meticulously clean his iTunes. Oh, Andrew. <laughs> He can do mine if he wants, because my iTunes is full of random MP3s labeled LRB episode number after I try to play them back to make sure they're okay before we post them. Uh, And Luke recalls um, buying a fancy new iPod back when iPods were fancy and new and then immediately leaving it on a plane, a story he's told before, uh, runs back to check the seat pocket and it's gone. And he assumes that that is karma paying... Uh, dividends to the underpaid airport employees. Mm-hmm. And he makes a distinction between uh, a airplane maintenance person taking it home and losing it to a TSA agent. He's not cool with the TSA taking it, but he's he's okay with the maintenance people taking it. And he was saying because, you know, he thinks he sees the maintenance people as being less fortunate, so he doesn't mind. But I'm sort of wondering if it's a power thing. Since the TSA has power over Luke, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to lose. He doesn't out want to, to give him, him anything. Way. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible what that rent-a-cop uniform can do to make all the difference. 
Yep. Um, this gets us on to airport jobs, and Andrew talks about how he loves airport jobs and has fantasized about having an airport job. That makes so much sense to me. He Oof. is just gonna he's gonna airport the shit out of that glue machine. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I get it. There's there's process jobs are a fantasy of mine. Sometimes too, so you show up, you punch in, you do your eight hours of X. You do it as good as you can, and then you get to live the rest of your life not thinking about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and I imagine that an airport job would be like that, except for the grind of getting in and out of the airport every day. True. Yeah. Um, Luke is talking about running. And remind me if I got this story right. He encounters a runner. Uh, he's running through what he called a glen. <laughs> Uh, a, a patch of trees on the running trail that he likes um, mm -hmm. and suddenly finds himself running through somebody's vapor cloud from vaping. <laughs> uh-huh. So yep. it's a cloudy glen. Uh-huh. Wasn't it like a uh, grape cloud or something? Yeah. Right. <laughs> just, a, just a fruity cloud smoke, um, which sends them down a whole vaping rabbit hole, including an admission from Andrew that he spent late one night sending our own Mike Frizzell gif after gif of people vaping <laughs> <laughs> after he learned how to make gifs out of YouTube videos. Um, I have no vape commentary. I've never tried it. I don't think it's for me. Um, no. We were talking in our planning chat about how I, I could see how it fulfills an oral fixation. Um, and some people think that it's better because you get your nicotine if you choose a nicotine juice. Without all the other garbage of smoking, but I just don't get it. No, I don't either. I don't get it either. I have a friend who is an editor at the dripclub.com, which is a vaping site. And they cover, um, so I'm, I'm tangentially involved because I have journal access, medical journal access. And um, my friend Sean is very interested in the science behind vaping and whether it's better or worse than smoking. So, Whenever he hits a paywall, he shoots me a message and says, hey, can you grab this journal article for me about vaping? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so far, most of the research is not great, um, but it's also very new research and their methods are uh, not standardized yet. So I don't think I think it's a little too early to make any claims about it being better or worse than smoking. Yeah, uh, it's certainly more annoying uh indoors because of the entitlement factor well the annoyance issue is a totally different thing i think it's i think it's weird and gross and awful um when i when vaping i won't say first became popular it's been around for a while but a couple of years ago when i first started hosting trivia in the bar i'm at wednesday nights now there was this asshole who used to plume cloud after cloud of i want to say smoke but it's really steam more right i mean oh, vapor vapor uh, strawberry <laughs> clouds of no. strawberry just flooding over no. the bar and finally they just told them he couldn't do it inside anymore because it was just bothering everyone uh, and more and more places I work and go I see signs right next to no smoking no vaping they're just mm -hmm. not going to deal with the bullshit so I, th I feel like early on in vaping days somebody came over to our house somebody who we didn't know very well and they just pulled out their vape pen and started vaping in our house and <laughs> Duff has asthma, um, and cigarette smoke really bothers him, and we weren't really sure how this was going to go, but it made him start uh, having an asthma attack. <laughs> so we were like, could you ask before you do that at somebody's house? Yeah. That sounds like a legitimate reason for restaurants and bars everywhere to ban it, so we should work yeah. on that. Uh, 
And Anne, before I go on to Dukakis talk, I see that you note there's no non-douchey way to use Binaka. Oh, yeah, because Luke's all over the Binaka. He <laughs> says that he's become addicted to it. And um, be, there's no non-douchey way to use it because it's associated with make-out expectations. So that yeah, I, I was like, about to say it. it yeah. Yep. It indicates he's about to grab someone who, and kiss them, and they don't want to be kissed, probably. And Luke's not president, so he can't do that. That's right. Nope. That's right. <laughs> Top Story Thursday, uh, it's Michael Dukakis, Turkey Carcass Stock Talk. Um, <laughs> Andrew has this article that he sent to Luke. Uh, little note, it's from Thanksgiving week 2015. <laughs> so timely. <laughs> And it's about how former uh, governor and presidential candidate Michael Dukakis loves turkey carcasses and just can't give them up and and can't bear the thought of anybody wasting theirs. He is cheap and frugal. um, And that's all detailed in the article. Uh, But my favorite part of all of this is that um, he calls out saying, I'll take your turkey carcasses if you don't want them. Just bring them to my house. 85 Perry Street, Brookline. Uh, which is a real house, and I'm sure it is really his house in a nice neighborhood, but not um, – Brookline is money now, uh, but it might not have been when he bought that house. I mean, uh, they, they may have had that house for so long. It's it's not – you know, it, it's nice, but it's not a big mansion on a hill or anything. It's it's squeezed into a Boston suburb. It's, it's two blocks from a stop and shop. It's not like it's um, – luxury living necessarily so it's just you know doing their thing um what they didn't get into on tbtl is that this was the first of a series of articles by the boston globe because of the fallout from this interesting two days How later their fallout two days later the next headline is uh let me make sure i read this right uh readers leave turkey carcasses at dukakis home <laughs> oh no <laughs> Oh, he got 20 of them. Actually, more than that, because in early December, there's a wrap-up story. Dukakis says he got 26 turkey carcasses after Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs) People heeded his call to action. And the really gross part to me is if you look at the article in the Globe about all these turkey carcasses, um, it might be the second article of the three. They have a bunch of pictures of the carcasses. And hygiene is a secondary factor. They're all just crammed into a freezer. People just ding-dong ditched them on his doorstep. Some are in, like, foil pans they were cooked in. Some are in Ziploc bags. Some are tied up in just grocery store bags. One's in a garbage bag. (laughs) And so they're just, you know. I don't think I'd want to eat a stranger's turkey carcass. It's a lot of stock. I mean, I know you boil it for a long time. That's true. Yeah. But you don't know what they did to that turkey. Exactly. Uh-huh. Right. So, um, 26. It's a lot of turkey carcasses. Uh, we get some politics talk, um, that I didn't really get into in my notes, uh, followed by a voicemail from an anonymous listener who recently lost a spouse. And, um, it's not actually, a reading of that voicemail so much as Luke just acknowledging that person and letting him know that we're here for them and that we're feeling for them, which I thought was really nice. Yeah. Um, 
And then also, uh, separate from that, a thought that Andrew is a prairie woman and should be carrying things around in her dress. <laughs> the apples that she's picking. Yes, right. The apples. Yeah. And sweeping the porch with a, a broomstick. Homemade broom. Of, yeah, that he made himself. <laughs> uh, somewhere in this conversation, we get a Simpsons reference that was a pretty, really deep cut um, for the Yahoo Serious Film Festival. Which is a passing reference where Lisa mentions that she knows all those words, but not in that order. Uh, <laughs> uh, just Google it if you want to explore more on that. Uh, we get an email that I thought was the most useful email of the week about candle tunneling and the way to avoid it by making sure you burn your candles for an hour for every inch in diameter of that candle. Uh, I never I never <clears> knew that. <throat> yeah, I was wondering if that was maybe our own Anne who worked in retail. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I had no idea, Anne. I really, I learned something this week because of you. Yeah. As I said in my letter, nobody knows how to burn a candle correctly. I'm just so happy that I could share it with the tens. (laughs) And you got it read on the real show, not this, for only a I know. Those people will hear it. (laughs) So, congratulations. You're moving on up. We're going to lose you to TBTL in no time. No kidding. (laughs) Uh, voicemail from listener Rachel uh, in Denver <laughs> about whether often, often, often should be pronounced with or without the T, O-F-T-E-N, often or often. Thoughts? D- does it matter? No. I mean, it's clear what, what the person is saying either right. way, right? I, I often say often. I don't. I feel like I pronounce the T, yeah, too. Yeah, I don't know why. Sometimes, I don't know. I think I generally don't, but I don't feel strongly about it one way or the other. Yeah. So there you go. That's the answer. There's our non-answer. Uh, and uh, we get a mention of um, Luke giving himself away on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me recently and bluffed the listener by mispronouncing um, uh, Groton, Connecticut. Groton. Connecticut, and we got an email about this from uh, listener Shanna uh, Gratton, like General Patton, as she writes. Uh, this is difficult as my last name is Gratton, pronounced like General Patton. And so, so many people say it like the town in Connecticut, which is kind of gross to me, which I guess would be Groton. 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 Yeah. Gratton. Groton. Uh, has everyone forgotten phonetics? Double letters equal short vowel sounds most of the time. And not to be super Midwest-centric, but um, we are suddenly into things I can't pronounce. Uh, is it mana, mana? Mana, mana. Uh, M-A-H-N-A. Let me go back and see if I can find that. Mana, <laughs> no. mana. Yes. Mana, Isn't a town, uh, but... Uh, mana, uh, mana is the song. Mana, mana. Right. It's the town in Wisconsin. Menominee, Wisconsin is. Um, anytime we would road trip into Wisconsin, this mix for a minimum of two times singing the Menominee song replaced by Menominee. Uh, uh, I can't say that I haven't done that as well. <laughs> I can say I haven't until just now. <laughs> um, so thank you for that, Shanna. I'm sorry for butchering your want of not butchering all of that (laughs) but thank you for writing to us we appreciate it um this did start a thread on the stents page by um uh 
a lot of us who are Western New York uh, proud from where we're from of Chile, New York being spelled Chile, and a lot of the other towns of Western New York, which are just terribly mispronounced. Um, and it, it really leads to a question of do you respect those people or judge those people for mispronouncing their city names? Well, I, I think that you can ask people to pronounce your town name the way that you want it to. But if you're going to pronounce it weird, you can't be upset at them if they don't know what it is right away. Right. right. You got to give people a chance to learn it before you get scornful that they don't know it. Right. Especially if you're going to I mean the one that they talk about on TBTL isn't it Des Moines instead De- of Des Moines or something? Uh Des Moines. I mean, yeah, how how the hell am I supposed to know that? And why should I be ridiculed because I don't? <laughs> right. So, you know, we're, we're all trying together. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's it for Thursday. All right, let's go on to Friday. Very exciting show, 2304. Ira Glass, colon, friend or acquaintance. Uh, <laughs> Luke is again at Walsh Walsh and Doorknot. Doorknob, doormat. Uh, and I think through the magic of internet recording, we know that this um, episode was actually taped before Thursday's show. Um, I think that Luke introduces Andrew as his showmate, or Andrew refers to himself as Luke's showmate. I don't know, but you guys are both my showmates. Uh, Luke oh, wants thanks. an update. Since he's in the neighborhood, he wants an update on this neighbor situation. How's How's the parking thing going? And Andrew says he's letting it lie. So he's basically not resolving it one way or the other. And Luke says he he would have to. He would have to take some action and do something so that he could lay this to rest. He couldn't just walk around with this hanging out. And Andrew says that he is aware that anytime he parks his car, there could be possibly eyes on him. I don't think I would like that either. I, I'd want it resolved Mm-mm. as well. But Andrew is so non-confrontational. I mean, except for that one time. Or that other time, too. <laughs> oh, yeah, that third time that he's confrontational. <laughs> Just keep and telling yourself that, buddy. It's not like his neighbor is driving an 18-wheeler, guys. <laughs> yep. And I forget how that happens, but they play some clip of Danny McBride, and then they talk a little bit about Danny McBride and how great he is, but also kind of one note. And they mentioned this um, show that he just did Vice Principals, and but they said, but the other guy is really good. And they can't remember that that was Walton Goggins until they look him up. But they agree that he was excellent, and he's excellent in just about everything he does. All the way back to when I saw him, it's just like a minor character in one of the Bourne movies. I went back and watched it the other week, and I was like, oh, hey, it's that guy who's been in like a million things now, but he's a good actor. Yeah, um, he's popped up in a lot of random stuff. I remember him in The Shield, which is a show that I occasionally watched because it would come on network television on Fox at midnight on Sunday nights when I would stay up dreading the week ahead in my crappy apartment in Buffalo. Just a little peek into my life <laughs> <laughs> from a time when I only had rabbit ears. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah, he's been in a lot of. Um, projects and he's always interesting in whatever they are oh he was in justified that's where i recognize (laughs) him from yep and i think sons of anarchy and a bunch of other stuff 
I saw when I the last time I went to movies, he's in some I don't know History Channel drama or something called Seals about Navy Seals, and that seems to be a little bit of miscasting. But as long as he finds work, because <laughs> he seems like a, an interesting person. All right, um, they get almost right away to the top stories. I noted in my notes that it was only eleven minutes to top stories. But before that, uh, for the donor song, Luke played Shirley Temple, Animal Crackers, in my soup, mostly because he believes that Andrew doesn't like it. He said that he was doubling down on it because Andrew expressed some dislike or disdain for it yesterday. And that, of course, means that now he has to totally Burbank it. And Andrew's like, it's not that I dislike it. It's just that I'd never heard of it and never thought of it and never considered it and didn't really understand why you were making the reference. And that also gets them into <laughs> to Cracker Talk. <laughs> Luke says we can call this show <laughs> Cracker Talk. I might not. You know, I might second. <laughs> take a second look at that title before I used it. And they talk about uh, oyster crackers for some reason. And then well, because putting animal crackers in soup is actually kind of gross because they're more like cookies. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this was like 1935. Who knows what animal crackers were like back then? It may True. be perfectly acceptable. Uh, so the vast majority of the show then is their chat with Ira Glass. And um, it was so hilarious. Luke thinks that, you know, he was doing Ira a favor. Ira's going to be in Seattle. He's going to do this big show. And Luke thought, ah. He needs to sell some tickets. I'll I'll call him up, have him on the show, help him out. And Ira's like, actually, we've been sold out even since before you asked. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out that Ira just wanted to be on TVTL because he likes Luke and he thinks that it's fun. <laughs> that was so great. Uh, they immediately ask about Piney the dog. The last time that Ira was on TVTL, he was talking about his dog and what a weird, aggressive dog it was and had dietary issues. But now the dog is 12 and it's really calmed down a lot and its diet has become relatively stable. So he, he's not buying it kangaroo meat anymore. It's just, um, I don't know, Meredith, how weird is it to buy pork for your dog? Um, well, <laughs> I've been buying. So I have a sick dog right now. Molly is has had some issues um and so i've been buying chicken for her and i've been putting it in the pressure cooker to stew it and i put shredded chicken in her food every day now so i'm not that far away from buying pork and maybe taking a train to buy kangaroo for my dog <laughs> chicken seems reasonable to me somehow i don't know it's why. very easy to obtain um it's not expensive <laughs> it's not that out outlandish of a meat right i guess i don't know it's not kangaroo and and this is a temporary thing until her stomach gets better, hopefully. Right. right. Uh, so they talk about technology a little bit, and they want to know what his level of engagement with Twitter is. And Ira reads Twitter, but he rarely tweets. He says that he came to the Twitter game pretty late. Um, so I guess it's not sort of fully integrated into his his business and his life. Um, he does say that he has received a lot of tweets very recently, Um Due to the the story they just did on last week's This American Life about the hackers at the Deplora Ball, and it was a whole bunch of people saying, "Don't normalize this." You, um, and his point is that 
we're just documenting it. We're not commenting on it. We're not saying it's okay. We just need to share this story so that people know what's happening on happening around the country. And I, I have to say, I actually turned that episode off during this story. I wasn't about to tweet Ira about it. I wasn't mad about it. I wasn't thinking that they were normalizing it, but I was listening and I just thought, ugh, I don't want to hear any more of this. I don't want to hear these people justify their disgusting actions. So I guess it's important that we know that these things are happening, but I, I wouldn't tell them not to do it anyway, but, but people were very unhappy about it. Not to get super political commentary, but I'm going to for just a minute. <laughs> okay, Luke. <laughs> exactly. The reason I think this is good is because we, and I say that as liberals, <laughs> have spent so much time just thinking that they, the people featured in this this American life, are deplorable, that we don't understand their reasoning for the mm -hmm. decisions they make. And the smarter we can be about understanding that, it's not about convincing them that they're wrong, it's understanding their concerns. And I guess you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. And that's why I, I grin and bear through these kinds of things now, because mm -hmm. it's been too easy to just write them off. And clearly we can't because they are almost three million shy of a majority. And that's apparently enough. Yeah. So end maybe, of in a few months, maybe in a few months, <clears throat> I'll be able to approach it without a feeling of despair. But maybe you'll I'm feel less disgusting like about Ira not having a problem with the idea of hearing his parents have sex. <laughs> I'm a lot more offended by that, actually. Wait, wait. We're not there yet. Uh, one more thing they did talk about in the context of this conversation was the, the thing that really did uh, alarm Ira was the arrest of the six journalists who were covering the protests. Not just the arrest, but the fact that they are now charged with felonies. That really concerns him, as I think it should concern all of us. Um, and Andrew wants to know if Ira personally is having what he calls freak out moments. And Ira's like, I wouldn't say if I was, which I really respect. Yeah. And they talk about um, why why Ira continues to make this American life it, because it is such a grind. And he says it's because he likes it. He likes making stuff. And it is a grind, but it's also a privilege to be able to do that. I just I like him man <laughs> but then we move into the the most important part of the interview of course because luke wants to know are we friends <laughs> we talk about this for so long <laughs> um he's still trying to get a handle on how he ranks with ira because as we all know that's one of the most important things in luke's life um he brings up the encounter that they had in prpd in Phoenix this summer and actually plays the tape of he, of he and Andrew hashing it out afterwards, which I thought was kind of a ballsy move. And he wants to know, does Ira consider him a friend? Does he consider him just an acquaintance? Um, did he know who Luke was when Luke approached? And Ira said yes to all of that. I mean, he considers Luke a peer, but no, he doesn't know what he looks like because he only ever hears his voice on the radio and then he also says that he has a very difficult time remembering faces and um i think dr rob pointed out on the stens page this sounds an awful lot like face blindness yes which is interesting mm -hmm. so 
he knows Luke, but he doesn't recognize Luke. So it sounds like Luke took the correct approach to reintroduce himself. And Andrew wants to know how he can work his way into Ira's friend zone. I was pretty proud of Andrew (laughs) during this interview, actually, because the tendency for him so much is to really let Luke just take over the interview and Andrew sits in the back and occasionally contribute something. And it was still that sort of balance, but I felt that Andrew spoke up a lot more than he has in the past. So I was really proud of himself for kind of deliberately engaging in this conversation with somebody that he really admires. I know. So way to go, Andrew. Mm -hmm. Um, They want to know what the typical week looks like for Ira when he's making this American life. And so he goes through this whole, not just make America, making This American Life, but also all the other stuff he was doing. I don't know if I knew he was doing a dance show that he has to... Oh, I've seen one of his dance shows. Have you? Yeah. Yeah, he came to Dallas, I think, last year with one of them. And it's kind of a combination of, like, storytelling mixed with dance, mixed with... uh, It's it's, kind of hard to describe, but it's like a a multi-prong entertaining show. And he is a good dancer. Hmm. He's talked before about how it makes him nervous and he doesn't really like it, but he's pretty graceful. Mm -hmm. I've never seen him dance. I've seen his live show pre the dance show where he just sits on stage with a table and basically live produces an episode of This American Life, which was very good. Um, I would be interested in seeing the dance element next time he comes around with it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And in another typical Luke move, he wants to know about Ira's fitness regimen because he thinks <laughs> Ira's of course he does. Has, has dropped some weight. And he basically just wants to know what Ira's secret is. And it's going to the gym for 20 minutes a day and not eating starch. So as, as they referenced, I wish it was that easy for ladies to lose weight. Yeah. Oh, At least he acknowledges 20 that. minutes. Yeah. They get into this whole confusing thing about Chicken Man radio and how Chicken Man was a phenomenon, not enough of a phenomenon that Anne knew about it. (laughs) Um, And then they get into the sex talk. And (laughs) Luke thought that adults started having sex when the sun went down and continued to do it until the sun went up. And so that's that why. you never have to sleep again <laughs> once you're a grown-up. And that's why he listened to the radio all night, so that he wouldn't hear his parents <laughs> having sex. I mean, it is a terrible and traumatizing thing to to hear. Yes, and he does have six brothers and sisters, so... Some legitimate concerns there. <laughs> yes. And there's a whole thing of radio talk through here that I found a little bit confusing about Sally Jesse Raphael and TalkNet and Bruce Williams, the host of TalkNet, and Luke listening to Larry King on the radio. And he heard him interviewing the Wayans brothers, and he didn't realize that the Wayans brothers were African-American until much later because he only heard them on the radio. <laughs> and Andrew I have a similar – I, I, t- I have a TV experience from when I was a very young kid. And seeing the intro to Saturday Night Live and not knowing what Saturday Night Live was and seeing Bob Saget do – he must have been hosting – doing the monologue and joking about how he never gets to tell dirty jokes. And so he's telling dirty jokes, but they're 
they're like goofy, dirty words. And I knew right away that Bob Saget was white. Yes. No silence. <laughs> no, but for years and years, uh, I I just thought that Bob Saget hosted this other show where he was so very different. And I just had no idea what the hell was going on. And that has stuck with me forever because I just didn't know what Saturday Night Live was. I didn't know the context of what he was doing. It, sure. it was very confusing to me. Sure. And then eventually you got the context and it all made sense. Right. It's just one of those little things you hold on to, like the Wayans brothers on The yeah. King, I guess. Yeah. That's all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Andrew, who um, we just talked about in the previous episodes, is sort of getting his nostalgia on. I mean, he really always has radio nostalgia. He's a very nostalgic person mm-hmm. for someone who hated his childhood as much as he did. <laughs> But he's very surprised that Ira said that he isn't nostalgic about radio. And he talks a bit about the idea of of traveling the country, tuning into different radio stations and sort of figuring out the local radio culture and and how much he enjoys that. Uh, In Music for Your Weekend, we end the week uh, by Luke Pick's Blind Pilot, I Buried a Bone. Andrew Pick's Slim Thug featuring Bun B and T.I., Three Kings, to which I wrote... Ugh, in my notes, that is music that is just not for me. And <laughs> listener Jamie wrote in with an Agnes Obel song, Familiar, and a story about uh, pooping her pants while she listened to them do the astronaut story recently. Uh, great story, Jamie. I think I said once that if you wanted to get on Music for You Weekend, you should pick like miniature tigers or a band of horses or something because Luke wouldn't be able to resist. Also, Luke will not be able to resist a poop story. So <laughs> poop story in if Good you point. want to get your email read. Yeah. And that is the week. All right. Let's move on to housekeeping. Um, we housekeeping. are still working on. Uh, thank you. <laughs> We are still working on our archive project, um, and this contest is in full swing. Every submitted episode will earn you a ticket for the LRB raffle, which we're going to start calling Wagons Full of Loot from a randomly selected host. So get on that. Contact us. Get it's not archiving. Going to be, it's not going to be an actual wagon because I, I Googled Little Red Wagon just to see if maybe we could buy some and actually ship the stuff they're either like teeny tiny dollhouse stuff or they're the big size so like 50 dollar wagon so sorry guys so like a metaphorical yes a metaphorical wagon. red yeah. wagon yeah <laughs> okay use your imagination um check out our sister podcast earbuds and earworms their latest episode is called sunny with a chance of podcast and it's weather songs um they also throw in some twin peaks talk it's a good one and the most recent Nerd Out Loud is the Jeremy Henson app, uh, Jeremy Henson of the Eureka podcast, um, newly resurrected Eureka podcast. They talk about selling virginity, about Christie's plan to watch the West Wing, which is also in full effect. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it along with her and Space Boners. Um, and finally, if you have any Amazon shopping to do, you can use our link and it kicks us a few pennies. Uh, just go to littleredbandwagon.com slash Amazon. Use that as your Amazon bookmark for now and forever and we would love you for it one of these days i will get jeremy to get me the list of the updated amazon sales for a while i know we, i we were holding off because I of always, the secret santa yeah. but mm. i think about it every week like on thursday i think oh we should ask jeremy for that list and then <laughs> you know by now i've forgotten about it 
So, uh, you know, get your embarrassing purchases in soon so we can try to get them on the show soon. Uh, find us online at littleredbandwagon.com, on Facebook at Little Red Bandwagon, and in the Stens page. Our show Twitter is LRB Podcast. Email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail. Uh, or text us, uh, and you've heard several, several voicemails recently from people who did just this, at 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. Uh, and uh, remember, once in a while, we'll just mention, review us on iTunes, because we're still burying those assholes who wrote us bad reviews a few months ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who wants to be Christy this week? I'll do it. it. Oh, no. You do it, Uh-oh. Meredith. You do it. <laughs> Fight about it. Okay. Until next time, this is the next party. (laughs) And we love you, Jen. Nailed it.